On this week's episode of Chasing the Natty, we look ahead to week seven in our preview where we will discuss big game matchups and possible high scoring games. All this and more on Chasing the Natty. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, all right. Welcome back to Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. As always, I am your host, Xavier Hood, and to the right of me, as always, is my co-host, Jared Palmgren. Follow us at, at CFF underscore Jared and at CFF underscore Xavier on Twitter for all your fantasy football, uh, college fantasy football needs and wants and information that we can offer you. But let's dive right into the show uh this is our week seven preview uh we'll be discussing a range of variety of issues uh, like always we'll discuss our helmet games of the week for our big games and other games of interest and then we'll get the games with the high over unders so without further ado let's get into this uh how's how's it going jared how's how's your evening uh my evening has gone fantastically so far uh didn't get quite as much work done as i wanted to today but you know there there are days like that uh, it happens, but regardless, I'm still getting over the sa- the Saturday from this last weekend. Uh, every time I think this season is something, or every time I think the season is going to calm down, uh, we get an even bigger Saturday the next Saturday. Uh, but I look ahead to this week's schedule, and really the, the big thought I think of is, like, is this the weekend that things kind of calm down a little bit? Like, it, like I think we're kind of due for a weekend like that where it's, almost a little chalky at least when it comes to like a lot of the big games a lot of the big guys at the top i just kind of look at a lot of the top matchups for these top teams this week and i'm not seeing a lot of potential upsets and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later on but even so i'm looking forward to another fantastic week of football we got plenty of games to talk about here so like you said let's go ahead and get into it and just a reminder to everybody please make sure you're following us on all platforms they've already mentioned our twitter handles earlier uh, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, ring that notification bell, and send us everywhere that you can, whether it be by tweet, whether it be by email, whether it be staking a sign in your neighbor's front yard. We want you to get the word out about us. We love you guys so much. And also, as well, make sure you're following us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. So yeah, without further ado, Xavier, if you're ready, I'm ready to get into these Helmet Games of the Week for us. Yeah, uh, you mind if I start off with the first one? Yes, sir. It's not that one. Oops, forgot to set that one. We'll get to that one later. But here's the big one of the week. College game day, SEC Nation. Go ahead, Xavier. Number 11, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. Georgia is a minus 22 and a half favorite. That line is ridiculous. Um, As you all know, we are Georgia fans. We say that almost every episode when Georgia wins, but we, as we know, uh, we are, you know, realistic in our expectations on what our team is, and we feel like this line is a little bit misleading. We, uh, well, I personally believe that Kentucky is a better football team than that. Like, I, I believe that Georgia can, if everybody is healthy and available, we could put up, uh, cover that spread. But I think the line will adjust as we get closer and closer to the weekend. So um, I guess I do want to mention uh, for this game, uh Kentucky will be missing their uh, wide receiver number two, Josh Ali, for the week. So that is going to be a big uh, loss for that Kentucky uh, offense. But you still have Chris Rodriguez and Wanda Robinson and Will Levis. Those are three uh, three good, yeah, good names to mention. I'll, I'll mainly mention the Chris Rodriguez and uh, Wanda Robinson. Uh, will Levis is having a, a good season so far for what he's done. But if you watch the games that he's played, he's not the most impressive quarterback. He definitely has talent. And the intangibles, it's just all about putting it together. And you're facing the number one team in the nation with the number one defense. Uh, you, you definitely have a big challenge ahead. So um, I, I will say um, for this game, I, I'm really looking at Wondell Robinson. Um, I think this is going to be a big matchup for him. Uh, but, at, uh, you know, a lot of people have been raving about Georgia. We're the number one defense. Uh, we're probably the best defense in the nation, which I do agree with. But I also have been following this team for some time, and I know what we do not have which it's not the greatest of secondaries. I mean, it's still improving week by week, but this will probably be 
our second biggest test in terms of uh, facing against great wide receivers. I think we did a good job shutting down Traylon Burks and getting to the quarterback, but Arkansas's O-line wasn't as great. I think Kentucky's O-line will be a lot better and a lot more disciplined. Now, they are going to Stanford, so um, it will be a, it's always a tough matchup playing at home, especially uh, in Athens. So it, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. I think Georgia will win comfortably. But I'm not going to write Kentucky just completely out and say it's a blow. I think this uh, Auburn was a good challenge for us. We have to build upon that, and we'll see going forward. Um, but, yeah, on the Georgia side, uh, I'll leave that to Jared and our offense if he wants to speak more about Kentucky. Um, yeah, you covered pretty much almost a lot of what I was going to mention here. That, that line, I, I literally texted almost everybody I knew. When I, when I saw that line, I was just like, whoa. That was not the line I was expecting coming out for this game. I was expecting – Pretty much similar to what we've been seeing with uh, Arkansas um, against Auburn, where we saw like that kind of 14, 15 points, 14 to 16 point spread. I was expecting something similar, if not a little bit tighter for this game, because Kentucky's proved that they have an offense that can score uh, and has big playability. Like this isn't like the Kentucky teams of, la- of previous years where they score on you by wearing you down, playing physical, disciplined football. This is a, like Xavier mentioned, Will Levis has created a new dynamic for this Kentucky team in the passing game. Now, what I think Xavier kind of touched on and I'll expand upon here is that that passing game isn't always the most consistent thing in the world for Kentucky. Very inconsistent performances from Will Levis. If I've owned him in a fantasy league or two where, man, it looked like he was on fire at the beginning of the year, but then it very quickly kind of fell apart in some games. They struggled against Chattanooga earlier this year, so this is... It doesn't even need to be a matchup option. It's just an ability thing, it looks like, with Levis. Um, But again, if he's firing on all cylinders and Wondell Robinson is playing out of his mind, I certainly think that they can put up... uh, I I think they can put up a point or two on Georgia, or a touchdown or two on Georgia this week, and I fully expect that. Um, When it comes to Georgia and everything, I still still think they're the number one defense in the country, and I don't think it's close. Um, But even so, again, if they're firing on all cylinders, they can put up points on anybody. And so I think that they can absolutely get some uh, get some points. I'm not saying start Will Levis in fantasy. <laughs> I want to start yeah, anybody no. against Georgia. Don't yeah, get me no, wrong. Not against that defense. Um, but I guess you said you wanted me to talk a little bit about uh, things on the Georgia side. I expect it, it's hard to know what to expect from Georgia at this point. Now I suspect that JT Daniels will be back for this game. Uh, all indications mm. that I have heard have been that he should be good to go for Saturday unless we see some kind of setback during the week during practice. Um, the the ru- or not the rumor, the word is that JT at the very least is heavily pushing trying to get himself back into the starting lineup for this week. So if it is if the call is made, it'll probably be a coach's call or a medical call. Uh, JT definitely wants to play this week. I know that for a fact. So if we see that, I expect to see a little bit more passing out of the Georgia offense that we've seen. Although Setson Bennett showed that he can do that just fine last week. Um, in terms of players on Georgia, I think Zeus White is, or Zamir White, Zeus White, whatever you want to call him outside of the fan base. Um, I think he's still going to be a major part of this game on Saturday. He's been very clearly one of the goal linebacks for Georgia this upcoming year. Um, I think now that we're, they're getting into these bigger games, they're going to be relying on him even more. I was almost a little shocked last week when I saw how many carries he got compared to the other Georgia backs. It really looks like that he's almost kind of separating himself from that four-headed monster that Georgia has in White, Milton, Cook, and McIntosh. Um, now, some of that might have helped with Kenny McIntosh being out last week. Um so I think Zamir White's definitely a name you need to look out for in this game. If he has another big game, absolutely be picking up him up in fantasy leagues. Um, in terms of wide receivers, it's it's hard to tell because Georgia keeps getting guys back and keeps getting guys some, some guys dinged up. So it's hard to tell. I do think Lad McCockney has shown that he is almost too good to keep off the field, even with Kyrus Jackson coming back from injury. So I do expect him to be performing well out there. Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, I expect to have pretty decent games. Because uh, I think, again, two complete mismatches, but mismatches in different ways. Brock Bowers has the size and the speed. Darnell Washington, you, a guy could be hanging on him, and he'll still go up and get that catch because he's just so massive. So, yeah, those are the names I'd be definitely watching out for. And like Xavier said, I expect Georgia to win this game pretty comfortably. I think it being at uh, at, in Athens 
is absolutely huge for that. If this was in, in Lexington, I would be a little bit more worried about this game. But I would say Georgia wins this game, wins it pretty comfortably. Yeah, I will. I will mention uh, just uh, two more things. Um, I, I noticed last week. Uh, you know, we, I think everybody's like realized LSU is just a dumpster fire at this point, and it's mainly been due to the run game. But surprisingly, Tyrion Davis Price ran over for 100 yards on Kentucky, and Kentucky currently has the 28th ranked rushing defense in all of college football. So I don't know if it's uh, been based on like the opponents that they faced with uh, not having that great of a rushing attacks. It had faced Florida, who was able to run in Alabama, but then at the same time. I mean, those backs at Florida are not really that impressive. Nobody in the beginning of the year was looking for at Malik Davis or uh, Damian Pierce or uh, God, I'm trying to think of that freshman that transferred from Clemson. Um, uh, Bowman, it, Demarcus Bowman. Bowman, yeah, Demarcus Bowman. But nobody was really looking at those guys in that rushing attack for Florida. They were all just looking at Emory Jones and his legs. And Kentucky was able to contain that for a, a good uh, for their game and able to get that uh, that win and that upset. So. I'm going to point out here, most of those rushing yards from John Emery Jr. came in the second half of that game. And mm. I think that has a lot to do with Kentucky being one of the most well-coached, well-disciplined teams out there. The problem is they don't have the talent to keep up with a team like Georgia or even yeah. LSU for four quarters. And so I yeah, think abs- Kentucky loses that war of attrition usually in the second half. So even if they have a great rushing defense for a good majority of the game— by the time you get to the late third, fourth quarter, those three-yard runs quickly turn into four, uh, four, five, six-yard runs. And oh, then yeah. things going to get out of I, hand for them pretty quickly. Yeah, I was definitely advocating for the surprisingly uh, LSU and Terrence Davis-Price being able to run all over Kentucky in that second half. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely advocating for Georgia using that as maybe a possible mismatch for them if they could just wear Kentucky down like you know, little by little. And I mean, that, that's what they did to just, Arkansas, and that's what they did to Auburn. I see no Auburn, reason why yeah, they won't it. do it here. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, just to say uh, just to say that. And then I guess the second thing that I want to say, oh, man, I kind of forgot it at this point, but yeah, I guess it wasn't that important. We can All move right. on to the next one. We'll go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, I know you guys uh, I know you guys don't want to hear us talk about Georgia all day long. Yeah. Oh, but, I forgot. Jermaine Burton. That's who I wanted to mention. I think that's another good name to have out there. I think uh, if he's healthy and explosive and they have JT, I think that's a good uh, player to ha- have on your roster for the week. Okay. You heard it here first. Anyway, next game we have the only other ranked v. ranked matchup of the week. And I know a lot of people were actually very surprised to see uh, Texas survive the loss to Oklahoma in the rankings, but they are there still number 25. Uh, speaking of which, Number 12, Oklahoma State on the road at number 25, Texas. Texas favored in this game by five points. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, I'm still not impressed with Oklahoma State. I think, you know, I did take Baylor to win a few weeks ago. Um, I was absolutely wrong, but I don't, I'm still not impressed with Oklahoma State. I mean, I think the most important thing is. Uh, if Oklahoma State wants to uh, wants to stay in this game, they're going to have to give Jalen Warren a lot of work, and it's mm-hmm. going to be it's it's going to be insane. I, I'm expecting around 30 to 35 carries, possibly if he could, if he could reach 40. That's the only way I can see them winning. I, I I still love Spencer Sanders, but not as much as I did, you know, in years past. I don't think that past game is that great. I mean, you still have some decent receivers and Brennan Presley and a few other guys, but I think Texas is just so explosive. I mean. Even though Jordan Wington is out, you still have B. John Robinson, Casey Thompson. Um, Jordan Wington, as far as I can tell, should still be good to go for this game. Okay, then. I, I saw him in a, in a sling, so I didn't know if he was going to be out for a while. But if he's back, then that's just even more fuel to the fire of what Texas can do. And I think at this point, you know, if they're not going against uh, teams with uh, – if they're going against teams um, with, you know, not so good defenses, it's just going to have to shoot out because their defense is going to be able to get stops regardless anyway. Now, I think o- uh, Oklahoma State will be an easier opponent and hopefully Texas can get healthy and get, you know, maybe one stop compared to just in that Oklahoma game where they completely fell flat second half. But, yeah. I think the magic number for this game for Oklahoma State is 30. And by 30, I mean they need to hold Texas under 30 points, make them play their kind of game. This becomes a shootout. Texas wins, in my opinion, very easily. I don't, I don't see the big playability currently from Oklahoma State unless Jalen Warren starts popping off longer runs than I've been able to see him go for this season. Um, and I just don't think he's quite there yet. Um, Texas, if they're a, if Casey Thompson and Xavier Worthy are once again uh, hooking up on those long deep bombs, Joshua Moore as well. Again, I don't see a way Oklahoma wins this game if they're allowing Texas to do that. 
Oklahoma State needs to make this a lower scoring game for them to have a chance. And I think they can do it. I think it's perfectly possible. Texas has shown that they can be susceptible to that kind of game. Just look at the TCU game. They lost or they won that game. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, the fact that Texas was uh, not able to keep their offense consistent in that game allowed TCU to hang around, even though Texas pretty much mollywhopped them for the first good bit. And then look at last week. Texas was completely destroying Oklahoma. Then all of a sudden, offense doesn't execute quite as well, and they allow them to come back from 38-20 at, at halftime. So I think that if Oklahoma can stagger that Texas offense just a little bit, limit those explosive plays, they have a chance in this game. But I'm going to kind of go with you. I'm, I'm taking Texas to win this game. I think... I think just the big playability for them, and as well as this just being at home, I think Texas fans, knowing how close they were with Oklahoma last week, they're going to be showing up uh, in Austin. Rowdy, I think this is going to be just a bad environment for Oklahoma State, and I think Texas wins this game. What do you think? Yeah, same here. I'm sticking with Texas on this one. Sounds good. All right, so there's not another ranked v. ranked matchup for this week. Uh, We've been spoiled the past couple weeks in terms of that. But I did want to throw one game on here, and I'm calling this a disappointment bowl for Xavier and I, because uh, Xavier and I both uh, made our picks for the ACC Coastal game or the Coastal winner for this year. I picked North Carolina. Xavier picked Miami. Ironically, I just realized our the helmets are on the respective side. Um, yeah. And good God, both of these programs are awful, right? Or not all? Well. They're they're, they're they're disappointing as hell right now. So, do you want me to start or do you want to start, Xavier? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll start about the Miami side, and I'll let you touch on the UNC side, and we'll Sounds both good. make our picks because I think we're going to uh, both agree on this game, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll start on the Miami side. De'Aaron King is done for the year. That's that's sad news for the Miami fan base. Um, you stuff good backs – I mean, quarterbacks behind him and Van Dyke and Garcia. Sad news for my best but, ball league as well. Yeah. Um. But you still, I mean, Miami still can't, they, they have a chance in this game with UNC being bad defensively. And if you can uh, cause pressure on the quarterbacks, because you have playmakers and individual players that have talent that will probably, you know, be able to go off and play on Sundays. But collectively, you're just not, Miami's not that great. So it's, I think Florida State and a few other teams like Georgia Tech have shown a great film of how to expose North Carolina. Um, offensively, I will just say, at this point, I mean, not to say to rely on your receivers, but I mean, you still have a great uh, group of receivers in Rambo, Mike Harley, um, Wiggins, and uh, a few others. Restrepo. And then you're right back. Yeah. And I'm, lo- I'm loving Restrepo. He's one of my favorite young players right now. Yeah. And then you still have a, a stable of back uh, of running backs, not to say that they're quality running backs, but, you know, guys that can whittle you down and night in. And um, God, I'm thinking of a, um, Cameron oh, Harris. Cameron Harris. Cameron, Cameron Harris. So. I think Miami, they, they have the, the ability to win this game, but um, I'm still a little bit unsure about that. I'll, I'll, I'll leave uh, you to talk about the UNC side. So UNC is such a hard team to figure out. It's like every time you think they got something going on offense, they'll show up the very next week and just just fall apart. Um, like, I again, they play Duke. The defense looked good. Again, Duke, like, offensively is not a terrible team. They got Mateo Durant. They got Gunnar Holmberg. They got Jake Bobo. They got some pieces on the offense that can score. And UNC held them to seven points. I consider that actually pretty impressive, especially since that game's over-under was well above 65. We had that on our 65 or over that week. And UNC was able to hold them to seven. I consider that impressive. And I was like, okay, offense scored 38. That's good. If UNC can do that week in and week out, they should be golden from here on out. And then they laid a nice fat egg last week against uh, Florida State. Not egg is in zero points. I mean, they scored 25 points, but man, it felt like it took an eternity for them to get there. They scored 10 points in like the first like five minutes of the game, it felt like. And then all of a sudden, they were just a ghost town for the rest of the game. It's so hard to figure out which UNC team shows up. It's like, will the real UNC please stand up? Um... It's like, I, again, it's, it's hard to know which team's going to show up this weekend. The best indication I can go off of is last year's result. And last year's result, if you remember, UNC destroyed Miami in that game. Now, obviously, the crux of that dis- destruction 
was Javante Williams and Michael Carter, both going over 200 yards in that game. However, however, UNC's run game has dramatically decreased this year, obviously. Ty Chandler is, in my opinion, a quality running back, but he's not that guy. But the thing I'm pointing out here is that Miami's tackling is still one of the worst in the country. And I can easily see this being the kind of game where Ty Chandler can break out very easily. In addition to that, probably the only good player in Miami's secondary right now is uh, Tyreek Stevenson, who he can't cover everyone. And I think that if he's on Josh Downs, that'll help that passing game be limited just a little bit. But I definitely trust Sam Howell. Again, a lot of people have started really like getting down on Sam Howell recently and talking about like how oh maybe he's not really worth a first round first round pick. I'm like, hold on, y'all, hold on, hold on, hold on. I still think he's a first round quarterback for this upcoming year. Now I don't think he was. Now the people are saying that uh, he was easily number one overall worthy and stuff like that. I think. That was never really the case with Sam Howell. I liked him a lot. Um, I don't think he was ever number one or number two off the board kind of uh, a quarterback. But even so, I think he's a perfectly quality quarterback, and I think he'll find plenty of receivers in this game not named Josh Downs if Tyreek Stevenson does indeed cover Josh Downs like I think he can. Basically, this is all to say I I still think UNC wins this game. Um, Again, both of these teams are disappointing, but I haven't seen UNC have two bad games in a row. And they had their bad game last week against Florida State, obviously. I think that they come on, or they, again, they're playing at home in this one. I think that they find the win here. The only thing that's making me hesitant just a little bit is that Miami's coming off a bye. What are your thoughts, David? I'm of the same opinion that I think UNC is going to win this game. Now, I do think if Tariq Stevenson is going to be guarding Josh Downs one-on-one, I don't trust any of those other receivers to make plays. I I think uh, Josh Downs is it's statistically he's their leading receiver by a lot it's 49 and the next highest is 16 and that's really just sad to say that sam howell only has one reliable target that he can uh, throw to and if that's gone i still like ty chandler in this game um and i also trust that uh sam howell will be able to expose a little bit more and find a few of these receivers especially as tight end i do like a little bit with uh kamari morales but I think it's just favorable with, uh, I think statistically Miami is still worse in terms of passing defense and rushing defense uh, in the comparison to North Carolina. Now in terms of um, rushing defense, they're really close passing defense. uh, North Carolina is a little bit better. Miami is a lot worse. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the reason I'm taking North Carolina. And also Sam Howell has done well in bounce back games. So I'm I'm going to continue off that trend. If he has a bad game, he has a great game the next time, then he has a terrible game and then, he bounces back, so I'm just expecting that type of result again. Yeah, so we're both taking UNC in that game. Those Absolutely. are our three major helmet games of the week. We'll now move on to our additional games of interest that we find just interesting. Um, so the first one we got up here, App State, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Louisiana. This is a game tomorrow night at 7.30 on ESPN2. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, um... Man, it's it's so weird because um, a lot of people are really. I mean, I'm still I still like Louisiana Lafayette, but it just doesn't feel the same anymore with what we thought we were gonna get. Uh, you know, the heir apparent to Elijah Mitchell and um, Trey Ragas. I mean, Chris Smith. Not to say he's been a true disappointment, but Louisiana Lafayette just found a stable of running backs that they can rely on. Um, from oh god, it was like Montrell Henderson or something. Montrell Johnson, Chris Smith, and Amani Bailey. And Monty Bailey. So you have three reliable guys that you can run the ball with. And then you have Kyron Lacey, your one receiver um, with Levi Lewis. So uh, it's still an interesting team to watch. But App State, I mean, so far they've looked good with Chase Bryce. Um, they still have, oh, God, the receiver, uh, Corey Sutton. Yep. So, um, that I mean, it's probably going to be the best defense he's faced so far uh, in the conference. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's weird to have it on a Tuesday. Um, I will be tuned in because it's probably going to be the only game on a Tuesday. Sun belt, fun belt, sun belt, yeah. fun belt. Um, I'm, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, after after the first few weeks, uh, yeah, I kind of stopped watching the sun belt for after a while. So I'm surprised to see the app state is favored by three and a half. Um, so we'll see. Um, I will – I'll probably go with Louisiana on this one, though. Okay. 
I'm gonna take Appala I'm gonna take Appalachian State because unlike you, I have watched Appalachian State, and this is a team that has no quit in them whatsoever. Um, I have seen them in shootouts. I have seen them in low-scoring games. I've seen them in blowouts. Uh, they're currently four and one on the season. Their only loss coming to a very, very close loss to Miami. Uh, I believe they're they're three points away from being undefeated. I think that them being on the road is definitely going to hurt them in this game. I think that's why they're only a three and a half point favorite here. But I see. I think they have enough big playability. I haven't seen from Louisiana. Louisiana's passing game has really been a disappointment for me this season. Not that I like it hasn't been the greatest thing in the world in the past, but I was really hoping that. Levi Lewis would take just a little bit step forward. Maybe we see a little bit more passing for them. That has not been the case at all. My my boy Kyron Lacey being hang out to dry in that offense right now. I, I just had to drop him from my dynasty league because I just can't see that get, situation getting better for him. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Appalachian State here. Okay. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. This is an SEC matchup. We got... Auburn on the road at number 17, Arkansas. Arkansas, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a noon game on CBS. Uh, Xavier, you went first last time, so I'll kind of talk about here. Y'all, Arkansas is a great team. I, I don't care what people have said in the past couple of weeks, and I think now people are kind of really coming around to the idea that, like, everybody's like, oh, Arkansas is a nice story. Oh, they might, they might, you know, never know. They're the people's champion. They're, they're going to take on Georgia. They get blown out by Georgia. Oh, they were they were not very good. Uh, watch, Ole Miss is going to run them out of the building. They're just going to be not back to the old Arkansas, but they're just going to be a perfectly mediocre team. They hung in with Ole Miss last week. I think this is a well-disciplined team that is going to keep it up with Arkan or with anybody that they play this year. Sam Pittman has nailed the culture down there. I can't say that enough for them. And. Again, both of these teams are coming off tough losses last week. Auburn getting uh, blown out by Georgia in their own house last week. Arkansas losing on the road at Ole Miss by just one point. This comes down to which team I think can bounce back better from their loss. And I frankly, again, I just think it's Arkansas at the end of the day that's going to be able to do that. So I'm going to take Arkansas to win here. Yeah, I'm going to take Arkansas as well. Um Oh, man, I, I was looking at the line for this game and I was like, man, I would expect Arkansas to be a little bit uh, ahead of this, you know, maybe by like a 10 point favorite. But I do have to credit Auburn uh, just a little bit with that running uh, with Jarquez Hunter and um, Tank Zwickby with what they have. And I think Bo Nix at times can show flashes of uh, greatness and, you know, uh, be a, that special type of five star talent that he was once deemed. But, yeah, I don't think it's enough to beat Arkansas. I think Arkansas, with what they have shown with K.J. Jefferson, I think he's finally in a rhythm. You have a great stable of running backs. You have a great wide receiver. Um, so it just overall it's going to really come down. I'm not, not going to say it's coming down to Arkansas's defense, but it's just how many points does Arkansas have to put up to stop Auburn from, uh, you know, keeping this game close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're both taking Arkansas there. Go ahead and move on to another SEC matchup at noon. This one on ESPN. Number 20, Florida, 10-point favorite at LSU. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, LSU, uh, it's been reported now that Keishon Butte is out for the year. Um, sad to say, but that, that was the remaining part of your offense. I mean, honestly, that was the lead, uh, he was one of the nation's leading, like, touchdown uh, uh, touchdown receivers. And so, or, He's a, uh, he's leading the nation in touchdowns at a certain point for a good amount of weeks, and I think he finally like lost that title uh, just this past weekend because I don't think he got a touchdown this past weekend. But it's at this point, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if this is going to be the game that Ogeron is fired. I, I don't think so. I think uh, maybe like one more bad loss, but it depends on how it is because you are at home in the Bayou, and. Um, yeah, I, I'm just expecting Florida to come in, not to say dominate or anything, but just to win in good fashion. Uh, and so, I mean, that's not really to say of like what players to choose. I mean, Florida's going to be able to run the ball in LSU. Um, it's gonna, they're they're going to have, you know, their receivers. I, I, let's see if I can remember. It's shorter. Um, it's going to do fine. And, yeah, it's not really much. Hmm? Copeland. Jacob Copeland. Copeland, yeah. Jacob Copeland, um, I, I was hoping that Xavier Henderson would kind of break out, but kind of he's taking that wide receiver two, wide receiver three role some weeks. 
So there's some other guys, uh, you know, standing out a little bit more, but something to really say about this matchup. I mean, it's really kind of, you know, vanilla with this one. Everybody's expecting Florida to win. Um, not because I'm in super really thoroughly impressed with Florida, but it's just more, I'm just disappointed in LSU. I've said it once I've said it before. It's not a question of if Ogeron is fired. It's a question of when at this point. And to me, it doesn't matter if it's this week or if it's at the end of the season, he's getting fired before the beginning of next season. And so to me, this team needs to start thinking post Ogeron. And this is the kind of game where I think they can start their future going forward. Last week, I think, was the give-up game. I think it was the one where I think LSU players, honestly, were kind of sending a message of just like, we're done. There's rumors flying around right now that uh, in like just players who are already injured, even if they can come back healthy for the season, are going to opt out for the rest of the season. They're done. The culture there is just falling apart. And LSU needs to start thinking about rebuilding for their new head coach because LSU is a great program. They have the history. They have the recruiting prowess. They have the homegrown talent. They are set up for success if they can just get the right guy in there, but they have to save the culture right now. And I think they have to start going in this weekend. Young guys on this team need to step up. We talked about Keishon Butte going out up, or out for the rest of the season. LSU brought in a master class of the wide receiver class this past year, and those guys need to step up, and they need to step up fast. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to do it this weekend. Now, I am not predicting LSU to call the upset here. I do think that the 10-point uh, line for Florida is pretty interesting. Um, I do think that's Vegas telling us that they expect Florida to be able to score on LSU, but they expect LSU to keep it in this game and keep it pretty close. Um, and weird things have happened in this rivalry. LSU's had Florida's number recently. So I'm going to still take Florida, but this is definitely going to be a game at noon I will be watching. I, I want to see the body language of the LSU players, people on the sideline. I just want to see how just the overall atmosphere is for that program. So I'm taking Florida, but I'm keeping my eye on more on LSU. Okay. Go ahead and move on to our next game. This is an ACC matchup, and in my opinion, we got two programs here that could be playing for the division. Pittsburgh on the road at Virginia Tech. This is a 3:30 game at ESPN2, and Pitt is a favored team by four points. Um. I'm not going to lie, Pitt, Pitt has become a team I've kind of fell in love with, uh, at least in terms fantasy-wise, uh, for this pat, or for this year. Uh, Kenny Pickett has been my boy. He's been somebody I've been kind of beating the drum on a little bit this offseason. I thought he was a very underrated quarterback prospect, very good dual-threat quarterback coming into this year. And Pittsburgh uh, has allowed him to utilize that dual talent, and I think it's helped them out in a ton of games, and I think it's the reason why they could be favored here on the road at Virginia Tech. Now, that four-point spread... Not a huge spread. But uh, on the flip side, Virginia Tech, you got some very impressive wins there, and you got a very close loss to Notre Dame last week. This is a good team. These teams, I believe, Virginia Tech is actually, um, I believe they are undefeated in ACC play so far. Can you double-check me on that, Xavier? Uh, yeah, I absolutely can. Pitt, I believe, is also undefeated. So I think these are two teams that will be playing for the Coastal Division. Um by the end of the year, uh, Miami and UNC have been our big disappointments, and these are the two that rose in their place. And I think that whoever wins this game this weekend has the inside track. And again, I've kind of fallen in love with Pitt a little bit this week, this year, so I'm going to take them and take them to win the game. Yeah, um, looking at um, Pitt's you know record this year, they, they've amassed some good wins. Um, Tennessee looks a lot better, so that win looks a lot better. Um, Georgia Tech. I'm not going to say that they're a good team, but you're be, you're you're beating up you're beating the teams you're supposed to beat in your conference. And uh, besides all that, they beat a lot of uh, easier teams. So this I think this is probably going to be their biggest test. I didn't like that Western Michigan loss. It was a close game in a shootout. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just a little bit difficult. I think Virginia Tech has just been really close in a few of these games to where their defense shows up, and they they just need to have like the right matchup to like all right, our defense can win this game. Or they can, you know, we, we only have to score a certain amount of points. And it's tough because Pittsburgh can score a lot of points. They have a lot of great receivers. They have a great stable of running backs. Uh, Kenny Pickett is doing well this season, too. 
So it's really tough, but it's just like at the same time, it's Blacksburg. And I don't think like, you know, you know, even though Notre Dame won last week and also uh, what was the other big game that they played earlier this year? I think it was, didn't they beat UNC? In yeah, they, beat, they beat UNC in, uh, in Blacksburg. So I think it's just something about that environment where I'm just like, they can pull your card and I don't, uh, I'm not thoroughly just, you know, ready to give Pittsburgh this win. So I'm going to think I'm going to go with uh, Virginia Tech and uh, I guess technically the upset. I would not be shocked if like by the time seven o'clock rolls around on Saturday night, if Virginia Tech wins this game by any means. But again, I'm just kind of rolling with my heart a little bit here. I'm going to take Pitt to win it. So we will go ahead and move on to our next game. And that is number five, Alabama. A 17-point favorite on the road against Mississippi State. This is a 7 p.m. game game on ESPN. Um, I think I went first last time, so Xavier, I'll let you go first here. Yeah, um, I'll say this. About that line, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm actually, in fact, I'm expecting Alabama to cover and go over that line because Nick Saban is probably ticked off. And the Alabama team has, they know what they have to fight for. At this point, you have to win out of the SEC and it's, they're going to go on a blood path. It's, it's, it's going to get ugly. And Mississippi State being one of the worst teams in the SEC, uh, especially the SEC West, um, I, I'm, I'm expecting a big game from uh, Alabama on all fronts. I think Bryce Young's going to have a great game. I think uh, all the receivers are going to do well, especially Jamison Williams. Mississippi State, they have uh, done well against the run, but I don't think that will matter for Alabama. I think Brian Robinson is still going to have a good game. Um, will Rogers can throw as many passes as he wants. I think that defense is going to be at its best. Saban's going to get them all, uh, you know, collected and put out the best guys that he can this weekend and get them right. So it's going to be rough for Mississippi State. I, I wouldn't want to be playing them, even though they just came off a bye. Like uh, you, you had the time to practice and all those great uh, guys that we've talked about all season with Mississippi State with Rogers, uh, Polk, and uh, Wiley. It's not going to be pretty. Xavier, trivia time. How many points did Mississippi State score in Alabama last year? Uh, three, ten. I'm going to go with three. Zero. Oh, dear God. They scored zero points on Alabama last year, and that was without the Crimson Tide being pissed off. They have sh- Alabama's already shown they can contain this air raid offense, and they will not have a problem with it. And once again, Saban needs to see his best from his guys this year. Now, I'm not calling for another shutout from Bama. All I'm pointing out is the fact that Bama can contain this offense extremely well. And Mississippi State has no shot in this game. Bamman is going Saban is going to be looking for near perfection from his guys this week. And like Xavier said, that 17 point spread is not high enough. I know I said that last week about Texas AM. Bama doesn't lose twice, y'all. Bama doesn't yeah. Bama, Bama doesn't not cover twice. Um yeah, Bama, this is gonna be a bloodbath this weekend. I'm taking Bama, I'm taking them to win big. Yeah. So moving on from that game. Oh, yeah. Did you have something else you want to say? Oh, no, not at all. Okay, cool. All right, we'll go ahead. Our sixth game here, we're going to talk about uh, this one's interesting to me because we talked about Pitt earlier and Virginia Tech, and I think that might be the possible winner of the uh, Coastal Division. To me, this is a big matchup for the Atlantic Division. Number 22, NC State, a two point favorite on the road at Boston College. This is the 730 ACC Network game. This one's interesting to me. Again, like I just said, this is a big game in the Atlantic Division, which usually that division is just chalked up. We're just like, you know what? Uh, Clemson's winning that division. God knows who comes in second place. Uh, Clemson has lost an ACC game to one of these teams, NC State. NC State is currently in the lead for the Atlantic Division in um, in the ACC. And if they win this game against Boston College who did already lose to Clemson, I think NC State becomes the driver's seat to possibly go to the big t- or the ACC championship ahead of Clemson. So I think it's a huge game for them. However, it being on the road is going to be hard for them. And they're not exactly an offense that, while they've been impressive at times, especially against Clemson, I thought they were pretty good, they're not one that's going to blow you away every single week. Meanwhile, Boston College, they lost Jerkovic, which hurts them immensely. But Grossell has stepped up in his place. He's been inconsistent a little bit, but he's been perfectly serviceable for them. Couldn't get it done against Clemson. But again, that Clemson defense is hard to go up against. Um, so I'm not going to blame him too much there. 
Again, I think it's a big game. And it's hard because I like a lot of the players on Boston College more. Like, I like uh, Garwo. I like Trey Berry. I like Zay Flowers. But I'm just going on a hunch here. I'm going to take NC State to win this game. I don't think I've... God, this must be so boring for people to listen to because I think I've picked the favorite in every single one of these games. I've not called a single upset. Yeah, I'm of the same mind. I think uh, with what NC State showed me against Clemson and what they've been doing so far, um, I just like the the talent that they have. Devin Leary's doing really well, completing 67% of his passes. I love the running back room, Zonovan Knight and Ricky Pearson. And Emeka Mezzi has shown that he can definitely uh, hold that wide receiver one spot. Even though he's not getting the touchdowns, uh, the receptions that he's getting in the yards, it's just um, it's, doing, it's boding well for NC State. I, I just – don't like uh, with Boston College. Like, yeah, if Jerkovich was playing, then I would have Boston College winning the entire ACC if I if I had it my way. But it's not the case. It's Grossell. Um, I don't think you're going to have a close game. I mean, I'm not. I don't think you know with Grossell you can uh, have these close games with the, uh, you know, so much on the line in the Atlantic. So I'm going to take NC State for that reason. No, fair enough. Um, before we move on to the next game and everything, I didn't put this game on here, but like. Clemson plays Syracuse at Syracuse this uh, Friday. And you know what I found very interesting? I woke up Sunday morning. And it was a crazy day of college football. Don't get me wrong. But man, that was probably the first time in a, in a, during a Saturday I ever thought that I was like, I didn't think about Clemson once. Yep. I didn't even think about the fact that they were on a bye week. I, I forgot that they were on a bye week. I like Until I looked the next day, I'm like, did Clemson play yesterday? And I was like, oh, they were on a bye, I guess. Um, that's that's just so crazy how the perspective of Clemson has changed just almost not nonchalantly. What's the word I'm looking for? I guess naturally. Like, it's not like I want to forget about Clemson. It's just that's the position that they're in right now, which is, again, yeah. crazy to think about considering how we were thinking about them at the beginning of the year. Um, we'll go ahead and move I just love the, oh, the changing landscape of college football at this point. I think this is like uh, Josh Pate always has been saying all season. This is a renaissance season. I think we're going to see a lot of programs, and they're going to. this is a big test for them. Uh, are you going to you know, bend down and fold, and are you going to rise back up to prominence? Uh, think like for LSU, Clemson. Um, I think about a few other programs. Ohio uh, State really already, in my opinion. Like they're, they're kind of showing that they can bounce back. Oh, um, Ohio State is definitely – they did it in season. I, think I gave a lot of credit to Ryan Day, but I think, you know, for the, a lot of these programs where the season is just over, what are you going to do in the offseason? What's recruiting going to like? Are you going to lose out? Or are you going to, you know, sell them on a real good promise of like, hey, you see how bad we looked last year? Maybe you could uh, come in here and start immediately. So I thought we'll USC in that conversation as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, they've been doing that for a while, though. So we'll you're, see what the type of head coach. You're right. You're right. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to our final kind of game, additional game of interest here. And that's going to be Iowa State, a six and a half point favorite on the road at Kansas State. Uh, this is 7.30 p.m. game on ESPN2. Uh, I believe I went first last time. So, Xavier, you go ahead first. Yeah, this is an interesting game. I wouldn't say the least in the Big Ten, um, in the Big 12, um, my mistake. But I, I, I've, I've kind of fallen in love with Kansas State, mainly because I, I've I've been on, uh, you know, a big advocate of Deuce Vaughn. Maybe not so much on the podcast, but I, I just loved what I saw from last year in the run game and the passing game. And, you know, all the question marks people had this year, I think he's kind of put to bed. I think he's only had maybe one or two bad games. Not, not bad games, but, you know, maybe not the greatest of performances. But so far, I, I've just fallen in love with Kansas State. Um, Iowa State, everybody had high expectations for them, and they kind of let everybody down. From uh, from being honest, and their defense is still stout in, in terms of uh, they have all their starters from last year, and if um, Campbell can put it all together, then I think Iowa State can win comfortably with Brees Hall running the ball down their throats. Um, Brock Purdy, though, uh, you're going to face a great, uh, not a great Kansas State defense, but it's still formidable into the fact that you can't have you know a three turnover game. So for that reason. I think I'm going to take Kansas State in the upset. I'm going to be boring again. I'm going to go Iowa State here, and here's why. Iowa State has shown over the past couple of seasons that they're a team that typically gets better as the season goes on. They almost always struggle in the early games of the of the year, and they've already towed two L's because of it. Uh, one going to Iowa and one going to Baylor. Now, here's the big thing. Here's the big deal about those two losses. Only one of those was to a Big 12 team. 
I think Iowa State knows that they still have everything that they, like, a lot of their preseason goals, now granted, playoff out of the picture, but they know that the Big 12 is still theirs if they want to go and get it. Now, they got a, they got some big tests ahead of them, don't get me wrong, but they know that they still have that ahead of them, and Kansas State can't be a team that has to stand in their way. Uh, Brock Purdy, I agree, is somebody that I look at and say he needs... Uh, he needs to calm down, get some consistency, show some development. But they are coming off a of bye week, so is Kansas State, granted. Um, but I am going to trust the Matt Campbell process here. I'm going to come expect them to come out and win this game. However, I am going to say it's smaller than that 6.5-point spread. So if I was a gambling man, I'd take Kansas State in the points, but I'm going to take Iowa State to win. So those are additional games of interest. We'll go ahead and move on to our over-under games. These, again, are the games where we are looking at... Um, I'm going to get rid of all those. Sorry for the spoiler for everyone. Um, these are the games that really are the big fantasy games. If you're looking at your roster and you can't decide who to start, who, who not to start, look at these lists of games, see if you have anybody on your roster. These are the games with the highest amount of scoring opportunities. And so we'll go ahead and get started with that. Uh, nowhere else to start, but the highest over-under of the weekend... And that is going to be number 13, Ole Miss at Tennessee. 7.30 p.m. game on e on the SEC Network. The over-under on this game is 80. 80! And you can get that even higher some places. Um, God, that is an insane, insane number. So, yeah, again, to me, in this game, start Everyone. Everyone. Um, you got a piece of that old miss off right, you got a piece of big piece of that old miss offense. Braylon Sanders, Dontario Drummond, start him. Jerry Ely, if he comes back, start him. Uh Henry Parrish, Snoop Connor, start him. Matt Corral, hell yeah, start him. Like there's no reason not to start. There's never a reason not to start Matt Corral. Tennessee side. Hen and Hooker, start him. Um Tyon Evans, start him. Jabari Small, probably a good flex. Um Valus Jones, uh some of these other Texas receivers. If you believe in them, start him. I, this this is going to be an insane offensive shootout game, and I can see everybody getting a good piece of that. So, Xavier, what are you thinking here? I'm going to be on the different opinion. I think for the Ole Miss side, absolutely. And if I'm going to be honest, for Tennessee... You're still not believing in the Tennessee offense. No, I don't. I, I mean, I look at it and like, yeah, you blew out Missouri. I mean, they're a terrible defensive team. We've all seen that, especially with the Boston And Ole Miss game. isn't? I mean, well, the Ole Miss has played good opponents. Like, you've played Arkansas and Alabama. Those are great offensive teams. And that, Tennessee I mean, isn't. They put up I mean, 62 on Mizzou. They put up 45. They, they, that South Carolina game, that was 37 yes. to, like, 7 at the half. They called yeah. off the dogs in that one. Yeah, you're telling me terrible teams. I, I, I'm thinking this is going to be a big test. The only person I really would put my faith in would be Hendon Hooker. I think he's going to still have a good game. I don't think he's going to turn the ball over too much, and I like his legs. But I'm not going to just say, hey, start everybody. I don't think this is going to be, you know, I don't even think it's going to even reach the over under 80. I don't even think it gets to uh, 60. Well, you yeah, don't think both teams could put up 40 points in this game? I think I think Ole Miss can put up 40 points. Uh, Tennessee, after what I saw against Florida, it, if you can't get going after the first half, then there's no point in me starting. Yeah, you. but do you trust Ole Miss to be able to stop Tennessee? I don't. That's the thing. Like you're, you're talking about it's... Florida. That's a good defensive team, or at least an improved one. Yeah, Ole Miss does not it. have the pieces on defense to stop the Tennessee offense. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I, I've I've seen Tennessee. I've seen Ole Miss to where you stopped a high-powered uh, offense. Well, not say high-powered, but Louisville was a great. Uh, still, even right now, is, that was uh, week one. Great. Still. I give credit to Ole Miss and what they did. Uh, I think Tennessee is a lesser opponent, and I think Ole Miss will dominate. I don't trust Tennessee in this game. All right. I'm so, I'm, I will take Ole Miss to win this game, by the way. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think it's going to be an absolute shootout. This is going to be a great game. So we'll go ahead and move on to our next one. Uh, the bottom feeders of the Big 12 here, um, Texas Tech at Kansas. Um, the 4 p.m. game this is on ESPN Plus. Over under on this game 67. Um, Xavier, who are you starting? Who are you who are you starting out of this game? Uh, Sirajic Thompson. Um, I guess Tyler Shuck as well too. Oh wait, is he injured? 
No, uh, no, no yeah, it, it, he, he is injured. It's a uh, Henry Columbine right now. It's, oh, okay. So, um, and then uh, Eric Azucama, if he's not injured. No Kansas players? No Kansas players? Uh, I guess Devin Neal. I'm going to throw Jason Bean out there, quarterback for Kansas as well, dual threat quarterback. Kansas or Texas Tech has shown that they're a very defensively challenged team, and I think almost anybody they play is going to put up points on them. Now, Texas Tech is probably going to still be able to put up even more points on Kansas, but I absolutely expect Kansas to still be able to put some points up. And I agree with you that um, that Devin Deal is a name to watch out for here. You got Jason Bean. I'm going to throw out a wide receiver. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I or it's on the tip of my tongue, but I just want to make sure I uh, get it. Right. Lasseter or William or Wilson? Yes, Lasseter or uh, Lasseter Wilson? No, no, no. Trevor Wilson uh, and then Kwame Lasseter. Yes, Kwame Lasseter. That's that's the name. I, that's the name I want to throw out there. And uh, Arnold as well. I think those yeah, are two Lawrence names. Arnold. Lawrence Arnold. Are, uh, those are two names that I would throw out there for you guys. So, again, not a super exciting game. Again, two, two bottom feeders here. Uh, who are you going to take to win this game, Xavier? I'll take Texas Tech. I'll take Texas Tech as well. All right, we'll move on to our third over-under game of the week here. Another one of these ACC high over-under games. Again, there's just a group of ACC teams. When they get together, you know they're going to put up some points. Duke at Virginia, 12.30 p.m. ESPN Plus game. Over-under on this game, a crisp, nice 69 points. So, names to watch out for here. Obviously, on Duke's side, Mateo Durant. Uh, he's an every-week starter at this point. He's going to get the volume. He's going to get the touchdown goal line carries. They're going to trust him to get that. Um, Gunnar Holmberg, again, going up against this Virginia defense. I expect him to have a pretty good day. And on the wide receiver side, Jake Bobo has shown that he's going to be the consistent wide receiver for them. So I say go ahead and if you are in like a power five league or in a much deeper league, if Jake Bobo is available and you need a receiver for the week, he's a guy to pick up. So Xavier, you want to talk about the Virginia side? Yeah, um, honestly, uh, Brendan Armstrong, obviously the name to start for quarterback. Um, no, nobody at the running back side that I would really trust in this game. It's just too split for me. Um, but from the wide receiver standpoint, Dontavion Wicks, Billy Kemp, Rashawn well, Henry finally Wicks showing is up. Possibly out for this game. Yeah. So then, if not, so then uh, Rashawn Henry had a great day uh, with Wicks out, and I, I think he was a former four-star receiver that transferred to Virginia uh, last season. Mm-hmm. And Billy Kemp, Jelani Woods would be three other names I would start. I'm going to throw in Keontae Thompson in there, and then you already said Billy Kemp, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll throw in Keontae Thompson. As a, again, Virginia is a hard team to figure out because, like, I was having this debate earlier with one of my, uh, with one of my uh, team or with one of my leagues of like how to classify some of these guys because, like, Keontae Thompson is both used as a running back and wide receiver, so it's like he could have dual eligibility, but like he's and he has a quarterback. Uh... He, he well. does have quarterback eligibility. It's it's he's a he's a weird one to try to figure out, but. If you have him in your league and you just need a guy that's going to be able to at, be at all those positions, no reason not to start him this week. So any, any other names you want to throw out here before you make a pick? Uh, nah, I think I'm good. I think I'm ready to make my pick. I'm taking Virginia in this one. I'll take Virginia as well. They're playing at home. Duke's not the greatest team in the world, so I'm going to take Virginia. We'll go ahead and move on to our fourth over-under game here. Uh, this was a game I was very close to making a helmet game because I just find this game very, very interesting. And obviously the big storyline here we'll get to in a second. But TCU at number four, Oklahoma. This is a 7.30 primetime ABC game. Over-under on this game, 66 and a half. So, uh, Xavier, I went first on the Duke game, so I'll let you go ahead on this one. Yeah, um, I think the big story is who starts for Oklahoma at QB. Um, I think if Lincoln Riley was a smart man, he would start Caleb Williams. So if you're uh, if you're not in a league with if you're in a league with Caleb Williams still out there, I think I would take the uh, the betting odds of like Caleb Williams starting and get him because he looked uh, honestly the best quarterback and gives Oklahoma the best chance of winning. So I mean, if Caleb Williams is presumptively uh, is presumably the starter, then honestly everybody's free game uh so when you say the uh like old miss tennessee anybody on that offense where you have mims hazelwood um i'm trying to think stogner might get some work uh the running backs from gray to kennedy brooks especially kennedy brooks 
Um, I'm trying to think of any other. Oh, Mario Williams as well, too. So I, anybody on that Oklahoma offense is going to put up some points if Kayla Williams is out there, I believe. And I think Kayla Williams with his rushing ability, too, is going to bode well in that game. So, yeah. Yeah, this, this is, to me, this is the season-defining game for Oklahoma. And I, I say that I say that not hyperbole or hy- hyperbolically. That's the word, hyperbolically. Um, because this sets the tone for the rest of the season. Caleb Williams comes in, leads Tech, or Oklahoma back from a massive deficit in the Red River shootout. Now we need to see, do they keep that momentum forward? Or are those offensive struggles that we've been seeing with Oklahoma the past couple of weeks, are those not really a Spencer Rattler problem, but just a problem with the offense in general? We're going to find out in this game. Oklahoma could paint the walls with TCU's um, eye blood, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, horned frogs apparently squirt blood out of their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so fun fact of the day for you if you didn't know that. Um, but even so, uh, Oklahoma could paint the walls with TCU's blood uh, this Saturday, and it could just, this could just not be pretty. Um, or, again, we see those offensive struggles, and once again we find Oklahoma back in its situation of are they just going to squeak by every close game until they lose one? In which case, it's just a ticking time bomb of, until they go down. Um, I don't know which one we're going to see this weekend. I would love to see Caleb Williams just light it up this weekend. Uh, I, again, uh, definitely got some fantasy stock put into that. But even still, um, I'm going to take Oklahoma to win this game. But again, I'll talk about the TCU side because we didn't really touch on that. Um, players yeah, to start in this game. Like, did you forget? Um, Zach Evans, I think, is the definite name to start for TCU. It's not very often they see Gary Patterson kind of key in on a singular running back to get a majority of the carries. And Zach Evans is too talented to keep off the field for them. And he's getting even more work as a receiving back. So absolutely no reason not to start him. Max Duggan, to me, has been one of the more disappointing fantasy quarterbacks this year. Because, and I think a lot of that has to do with Zach Evans just getting more and more workload every single week. But even still, again, struggling in a league and you just need a dual-threat quarterback that could take off at any moment. Max Duggan, perfect guy. Um, and then Quentin Johnson, I, I'll, I'll still throw him out there, but he's the one I'm kind of hesitant on to mention. I think again, he is injured oh is he injured I, I, i'll be honest did not know that so uh ignore me on that one uh zach evans max sean or max duggan i don't really think there's anybody else on tcu side i'm taking Oklahoma i think there's one name i'll put out there uh kendra miller uh is definitely i'm not saying it's a um you know it's cutting into zach evans production but when kendra miller gets out there and he gets going he can break off for some of those long ones and get touchdowns. he has more touchdowns than zach evans it's only about one but I mean, I think that's still, you know, relevant enough to where if he's getting a touchdown, almost like he's had six so far. I don't know if it's been one every game, mm. but I think it's a good shout for him. Yeah, he's had almost one every single game. And this past game against Texas Tech, he had three. So. Oh, good find. So, uh, by the way, are you taking TCU or Oklahoma to win this game? Oh, I'm taking Oklahoma. Yeah. I think the upside of Oklahoma is just too much to ignore because, again, it's possible – that TCU could upset Oklahoma. There's no reason not to believe that at this point. But also, again, like I think there's a much greater likelihood that Oklahoma um, paints the walls of TCU's blood than TCU finding a way to blow out Oklahoma somehow. So I'm just going to take the Oklahoma side. Um, next game we have here is a matching game. Kent State at Mich- Western Michigan. It's a 3.30 game on ESPNU. It's over-under of 65. This is a preview of the Maction Championship that both Xavier and I predicted. Uh, we predicted Kent State to win one division, Western Michigan to win the other. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what this is. Um, Western Michigan's about a touchdown favorite in this game, and I'm going to be real. That's not what I expected coming into this at all. Um, actually... I went first on TCU, Oklahoma. No, you went first. I'll go. I'll, I'll keep going. So I'm going to talk about the yep. Kent State side of things because my boy Dustin Crum is back, baby. Um, finally got some real action against Buffalo last week, and man, he lit it up for over 40 points in fantasy. Uh, ran for some touchdowns, used his legs finally, got just got things going. Found it looks like his number one wide receiver for right now, Dante Cephas. Um, 
He's exploding onto the scene. Nikeem Johnson is still going to be another guy I'm keeping my eye on here. And then Marquez Cooper just provides them plenty of action on the ground for the uh, in order to keep the defense honest and keep them from just you know put drop an eight in the secondary against Dustin Crum. I like their chances a lot in this game to just do the outright upset. I think this might be my first upset I'm calling for this video. So I'm going to call Kent State to win at Western Michigan. So, Xavier, do you want to talk about Western Michigan and give us your pick as well? Yeah, uh, Caleb Ellaby uh, has had such of a up-and-down season. He's still completing 66, uh, 61% of his passes. Um, he has nine touchdowns on the year. But the running game, his rushing numbers are just terrible. He's 44 attempts, and they're not even positive. He's negative 26. He has a touchdown, but, you know, a lot of those sacks, I guess you could blame on the offensive line and just – him trying to make something out of nothing and it's not working so far, but I mean, in this game, you're back in the max. So I, I would trust. And then um, with Western Michigan, Ladarius Jefferson is always a good guy to go after Sean Tyler as well, too. And then, and receiving, I guess, Coy Crooms and Sky Moore, Jalen Hall are three good names for receivers in this game. Uh, I don't know in terms of winning. I mean, Let's see. It's tough. I think I'm gonna go with Kent State as well. That was a that was a sad loss they had to Ball State this past weekend. I was not. I was very disappointed. But um, so I'll take Kent State for that reason. I think they're gonna. I, th- go I thought you on. meant Kent State. I'm like, no, my Kent State. No, 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 Western, no, no. Western Michigan mm. lost to Ball State, 45 to 20. So that was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I'm gonna take Kent State. I'm really not sure why Western Michigan's favored in this game. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on to our next over-under game here. Western Kentucky at Old Dominion, 330 game on ESPN+. Plus. This is the, or, uh, the over-under in this game is 68. I started last time, so Xavier, I'll let you make your decision on who to go with first here. Yeah, um, start everybody for Western Kentucky. I think that's, uh, that's enough to be said. Bailey Zappi, uh, Mitchell Tinsley, Jeff Stearns. Um, God, I feel like I feel like I'm forgetting um the tight end. Oh, Dave. Uh, oh God, it's Davis. Uh, the tight end Davis, and then you just have so many other guys. Jeff Stearns, little brothers, Josh Stearns, like just anybody. I think this is going to be a high scoring affair where Bailey's up throws for five plus touchdowns in this game. All on the Old Dominion side. Oh, uh, Malachi really Corley. T- Don't forget about him. Malachi Corley as well too. Yeah. So on the Old Dominion side, uh. I guess I could only really say if for uh, you know West Kentucky doesn't have that great of a rush uh, rushing defense, so they have a few good running backs. I think Blake Watson is really back right now, so I guess that would be my one player for Old Dominion, and I guess maybe Dan- uh, DJ Mack or Daniel Mack Jr. Oh yeah, Darion so, Mack. Darion Mack. I knew it was D something. I was like, ah, looked at his name a few times. So yeah. I mean, still my thunder there. I was going to talk about Old Dominion, but, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Sorry about that. There was only, like, two players. I was like, all right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's no, there's nobody really here. I, the, the tight end, Zach Kuntz, again, I think is a name definitely worth here. He's their leading receiver with 27 receptions on the year, two touchdowns. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw him out there as well. Um, but, yeah, this is the perfect game for Western Kentucky. You got a soft defense, passing defense. Ain't no reason why they can't just absolutely destroy uh, Old Dominion offensively. Now, God knows how many points they'll give up. Western Kentucky is a team that, man, if they could just get a little bit of defense, they would be such a threat. But currently, they're 1-4 because they can't stop a breeze. Um, so I'm going to go Western Kentucky to win this game. I think they're favored by about 10 points. So once again, picking the favorite for me on here. But yeah, I'll take Western Kentucky. Did you make your pick already, or am I just... Oh, yeah, I thought it was clear about Western Kentucky. <laughs> okay, 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 fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. All right, we'll hit up our last game of the night here, and that is going to be the Friday night game. This is Marshall at North Texas. Again, Friday night, 7 p.m. This is on CBS Sports Network. Over-under on this game, 65 and a half. Uh, Xavier went first last time, so I'm going to start with who I want to start with, and I gonna go with the Marshall side of things I just needed to double check um make sure I'm gonna get the players right here because I I don't know if this happens with anybody else but for some reason I have a hard time 
keeping straight the Marshall players and the Charlotte players. Because those are those are very those are very similar teams in my opinion. Wait, which which team has Corey Gamage? I think that's Marshall, right? Yes. Okay, thank God. I was like, oh. Yes, I don't. Again, let us know down in the comments because, like, I, I for some reason I can't keep those two straight. But this is the team that has Grant Wells, who you should absolutely, I think, start in this game. Um, Rasheen Ali, obviously, touchdown machine. Uh, ain't no reason not to start him at this point. He's going to get you plenty of points. And then Corey Gamage, like Xavier said. No reason not to start him. And then Xavier Gaines, one of the better tight ends in the country. I think he's a good start as well. So Xavier, what are your thoughts? Are, are what are your thoughts on North Texas? No, I want to say this as a whole for this game. These are one of the, two of the worst rushing defenses in all of college football. Uh, start any of their running backs on both sides, especially for North Texas. DeAndre Torrey is about to have a day. I think he's about to get a tremendous workload, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, for the receivers, I guess Roger Burns is a great receiver to, uh, you know, say, I don't know, I can't speak on Marshall's passing defense, but if DeAndre Torrey is being able to move the ball down the field, then I think that opens up the passing game a lot. So I don't think it's going to matter too much. Um, if Jair Shorter is uh, healthy, then that's another good name to put out there. And I guess that's really it for me uh, for that side of North Texas. I don't think I would put anybody else out there. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to probably t- – ooh, it's at North Texas – you know, I'm going to stick with the Thundering Herd. I'm going to take Marshall. It's tough. This is tough. I'll take North Texas. I think okay. uh, I want I'll, I want to see them get a win. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Alrighty. So, yeah. Those are our fantasy over-under games of the week. I'll repeat them here real quick. Ole Miss at Tennessee. Texas Tech at Kansas. Duke at Virginia. TCU at Oklahoma. Kent State at Western Michigan. Western Kentucky at Old Dominion. Marshall at North Texas. If you have a player that you're not sure about whether or not to start, take a look at those games and you will find out whether or not you will have plenty of scoring opportunities for those guys. So with that, that kind of covers all of our games this week. A few less games than typical, um, but I think that works out well for us. So Xavier, would you like to out here? I hit the wrong button, my bad. (laughs) Yeah, once again, we appreciate all the love and support that y'all have given us uh, over our tenure of podcasting, the Chasing Natty Podcast, the College Football Fantasy Podcast. Uh, follow us on all streaming platforms from Apple Music to Spotify. Uh, Jared does a wonderful job of making these YouTube graphics, so go over on the YouTube and you know view us live and laugh and uh, see our beautiful faces. Uh, and for social media, we are mainly on Twitter. Uh, he is at CFF underscore Jared. I'm at CFF underscore Xavier. And yeah, that's uh, that's it. We hope you have a wonderful night. I'll leave Jared on the last uh, last thoughts. I mean, you nailed it, my friend. Uh, nice. Yeah, thank you guys very much for listening to us. Um, we got another great week of college football ahead of us. Again, I think it's going to be a little bit of a quieter weekend, but I've been proven wrong so many times when I've said that so far this season. So basically, I'm just hoping that it's another crazy weekend except for the dogs. So yeah, we're uh, about to get upset. It's about it's gonna happen. I'm gonna cry. So appreciate y'all, and y'all have a blessed day.